0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Della Valley, AKA MDV, and I'm joined today on the show by one of my favorite people in fitness and one of the best CrossFit coaches in the world, Denise Thomas. Denise has been making waves at Reebok HQ and CrossFit HQ for more than 10 years. She's a UK native who once played international soccer for Ireland, and she was one of the first females on the East Coast to earn her red shirt on CrossFit seminar staff. Now, here's what's interesting. Denise earned that highly coveted spot on CrossFit's top team with less than one year of coaching underneath her belt. That should tell you the level of talent we're dealing with when it comes to Denise Thomas. Absolute world-class charisma and world-class coaching. For any coaches out there, Denise is an absolute must-follow, must-listen, and must emulate She's just one of the amazing women who we're celebrating throughout the entire month of March with our Women Makes Waves campaign. And if you haven't checked that out, please visit nc.fit on Instagram and check out what it's all about. Now, without further ado, grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two from Denise Thomas. Let's go. Welcome back to the intro, everybody. Today on the show, I have a very special guest, one of my most inspiring people who I've ever met in my fitness journey, uh, a person who I consider a great friend, a great mentor, one of the best coaches in the world, the incomparable Denise Thomas. Denise, how are you doing today?
1: Hi, Matt. you doing good. That's quite quite the intro. Thank you. you
0: Well-deserved, every word of it. Denise, (laughs) you're an an absolute legend in uh, coaching. And fitness and CrossFit, functional training and Reebok and everywhere that you have been in this space, your resume is uh, impressive to say the least. And, um, you know, I think that you're somebody who my listeners here are really going to appreciate um, everything that you have to say about the craft of coaching. I'm very excited to chat with you today.
1: Me too. I, I always enjoy these conversations, especially Now, during COVID, it's, you know, the classes have changed so much. So it's almost like the platforms change. So it's good to have them. And I steal your ideas, (laughs) use them, tag them as my own. But no, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited.
0: Well, let's start there. Let's start with what's going on in 2020, 2021 for Denise Thomas at at Reebok and how things have changed. So tell us a little bit about what your role is at Reebok and, you know, how the, the class environment has changed there.
1: Yeah, my role at Reebok is a head coach of the Reebok CrossFit one. And also it's a dual role as a, a, fit, a fitness manager. Um, I share that role with another one of our employees. Um, and the fitness manager role, it means I, I have a direct report. And uh, that is really just helping that individual in, in their role in CrossFit, without, out of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by out of CrossFit is that Reebok, we have two floors of fitness. We have first floor, which is Reebok CrossFit One, also a shared space for boot camp, and if people want to do open gym. And then on the second floor, it's machines, and there's a bo- little boxing ring in there, and yoga studios and spin studios. Um, so my role is, is dual in mm-hmm. that respect, but the main one is the head coach of Reebok CrossFit One. So. Just the, the roles that you would expect any head coach to have, really, but mostly coach development, uh, which we used to do a lot of, as you know, back mm-hmm. in the day, in the old gym. Um, and uh, the programming, for the most part. We, you, we utilize a, a programming platform, but my job is to go in there and make it Rebot CrossFit One friendly, move it around. And since COVID, we've been out of the gym uh, since March. Mm -hmm. due to global policy the gym's been closed so we have not coached indoors since March of 2020 but what we did is quickly shift to virtual like everybody and um, we offered zoom classes we did YouTube live classes which was really just me jumping around in the basement (laughs) of Glory screaming at a camera it was and I would do all the workouts and they were all like at home versions Mm -hmm. so what we tried to do originally was take the affiliate workout and then, you know, modify it so that we still got the same kind of stimulus, but it it just started to seem inauthentic that way. It was just, some things just didn't match. So we then decided to do an affiliate workout because we still had people that had the equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the classes we would do at home versions with equipment and without, like like most people. But when we were doing the YouTube live thing, Oh man, I was doing the workouts every day. They were all like, 20-25 minute long with a thousand reps like my knees were on fire my elbows were on fire and it it was it was it was an experience but
0: yeah so we've been doing a lot of that well you've been you've been at Reebok um, for nearly a decade you and I worked together there for a number of years I was a, a trainer on the Reebok CrossFit one staff and then I made a jump into Reebok HQ to work on some stuff but you know a lot of what we worked on together over the years is, is pretty similar in regards to creating relationships within that organization and, and bringing fitness to uh, people who are working for Reebok HQ. Can tell us a little bit about like, what, that, what that's like in general, working for that company and, and being a part of the, the fitness revolution that, that Reebok's been putting out there.
1: Yeah, it's interesting we're in this call now because the Reebok Nano X One just came out. So it's like in the tenth year of the Nano. Mm. There's been more than ten like, versions of the Nano. But my when I first joined, it was in 2010. That was when wow. the partnership first um, came together. Um, prior to that, they were they had a little CrossFit thing, and and Ben Bergeron was running that for a little bit, um, and then. Dave Lipson came in and Maliolo, myself, and we then started taking it in 2010. So that it was the inception. And when we first started, we had like five people <laughs> that would come to the gym regularly. It was like, well, we don't need this six classes a day schedule. So we quickly, you know, made the schedule smaller. And then we would ask people why they weren't coming. And they would give us all kinds of excuses, as we know. So we're like, all right, great. You want to two. Ten class done. It's on the schedule. See you tomorrow. And our job was just to break down any barriers that were preventing people from trying this thing called CrossFit Mm. that scares the hell out of them. And over time, with with people like yourself and and other great people that have come through the doors, we just started to break down those barriers in any way we could. And to where we got to, I think around five hundred people membership. Um, It might even be more from um, a pool of I want to say twelve hundred. Was at that campus so you can't get everybody but we cast a pretty big net and um it just started to grow and grow and what I loved about what Reebok was doing is that they they were just all in they embraced CrossFit from the very start and I was apprehensive to join in the beginning I was you know I was the pre-bok crew remember that yeah that t-shirt a pre-bok <laughs> I remember and it was t-shirt. like there was a time before Reebok. Yeah. CrossFit was cool. Reebok are going to ruin it. And I was part of that group. I'm like, I don't want Reebok to come in and ruin this cool underground thing that no one knows about. And then I like give myself a slap and I was like, wait a second, this is the inception. Myself and these other people, we have an opportunity to educate the employees of Reebok about what CrossFit is Mm -hmm. via our experiences working for CrossFit LLC. And, um, And we can really start to do some amazing things and not only impact the company, but the community at large. So the tagline back then was Reebok will, um, elevate CrossFit to the masses globally and CrossFit will authenticate Reebok as a brand. And I think they both did that very well. Mm. And, um, you know, partnerships aren't without their ups and downs, but I mean, together, the two of them have, have done some really incredible things from, from a very low level to a very high level, um, And uh, we really, it it just changed the culture completely, changed the culture. People were then talking about, they'd be in the, you know, the dining area talking about how many ring dips they did that day and like how, you know, I didn't want to do pull-ups, but coach, you know, Matt made me get on that band and I was doing like really strict and controlled pull-ups and today I did my first double under and it started to bring uh, people together in the sense that the the hierarchy of status was was blurred. Like we, you would walk into the gym, you leave your business card at the door, you leave your ego at the door, and we're just going to squat together and help each yeah. other out. And and I think from what I heard from the people in the we call it the main building, right, yeah. the, the the business side, they just started to love coming to work. They would come in on their off days. They were more productive, and they changed. They just they started to be the reason why other people would join because they're like, wait, you do CrossFit, but you're 55 and you haven't exercised in 30 years. Like, well, if you're doing it, then I'm doing it. And that was the people that we wanted, not the crazies, you know, the guys, <laughs> the girls that just like throw down three hours a day. We, we got those. Yeah. It was the people that were afraid to step into the gym. So it was really special. It still that, is.
0: Yeah. It's, it's amazing stuff. Um, you know, I can speak firsthand to, to some of that stuff as well, be experiencing it myself the cultural transformation that occurred at Reebok through this proxy of fitness and CrossFit was unbelievable. I mean, you know, you walk around quote unquote, the main building, right. Where everybody's in there for their nine to five. And as a coach, they are overjoyed to see you. I I mean, going back, remembering walking through the building and just walking up to anybody, including the CEO all the way down to the janitor and having them all being able to connect in this thing called fitness is really amazing stuff. Tell us a little bit about how, how did that impact you as a coach? Because you, you weren't coaching in a corporate environment prior to this, you were coaching in New York city and doing some other stuff, but how did this Reebok environment impact you as a trainer or make you better as a trainer?
1: Hmm. Well, yeah, prior to Reebok, um, my journey was interesting because I was I was a personal trainer, right. sports performance coach in New York City for a, for a bunch of years. And I met, um, who's now one of my best friends, Dave Lipson, in, um, in this gym in New York City. And he introduced me to CrossFit. And he was him that was like, this is pre reebok but it was him that was like, hey, you should try an intern for CrossFit. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, you know, I do CrossFit workouts with you, but I don't know that much about CrossFit in general. I had showed up for a competition in two thousand and nine. Just I, it was like December in two thousand and eight, and I'm like, I'm like, Dave, I signed up for this competition. It's in Virginia Beach. I'm gonna go do it, and I forget when it was. It was like in the spring, sometime I want to say, but anyway, I, I drive all the way down there, nine hours in my little red jeep. And it ended up being the 2009 regionals in the mid-Atlantic. <laughs> so imagine me, like, I can barely do a double under. and I can't do a chest of our pulp, let alone a snatch. And I roll into this competition of just absolute savages. I finished <laughs> second to last. I couldn't move for a week. It was the most traumatizing, but, yeah, exhilarating and inspiring weekend of my life. So um, I, that's where I was with it. I was doing workouts, but I wasn't really coaching it. And I was like, well, I guess I should start trying to coach CrossFit so I would go down to like New York City uh not New York City, so down to Brooklyn and I worked out with Keith Wittenstein and I got help from people like Rob Miller in Delaware, Delaware Valley and Amy Lyons um, in King of Prussia just I would ask anybody that could help like, how do I do this CrossFit thing I've got an internship you know and uh so I just had to find places to coach and I'm telling you this because when I first showed up at Reebok I that was in um it was late 2010 so i've been coaching wherever i could for a year but not really in an affiliate too much i'd started in 09 at crossfit tribe in jersey mm-hmm. so i got a little experience there which was awesome with steve liberati and those crew who i went to crossfit games with in 2010 Whoa. yes i am a crossfit <laughs> games athlete i know claim to fame um, <laughs> And I don't know, I know. It's crazy. Like five people knew about CrossFit then. So that's how I made it. through. <laughs> but, um, And then I, uh, I did a little in Philadelphia, at CrossFit mm-hmm. Center City with Aaron Davidson and who I love. One of the best coaches I ever had. And um, and that was it, really. So I was just trying wow. to like get classes wherever I could. And so I showed up to the internship and I was definitely not as ready as I should have been somehow made it through i'll tell you that story another time but i got through and really that was uh, when my, my time at reebok started um like march march 2011 i officially signed with reebok but i was like going back and forth since
0: 2010 in december um so denise when you say internship are you talking about an internship on crossfit seminar staff or the training team for crossfit yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. So the, the, the
1: I process, didn't know that the
0: process. Yeah. So this, yeah. that's really interesting yeah, yeah. to me. I didn't know because I, I would have guessed and, you know, I know you pretty well, but I, I didn't know this aspect of your journey that you had had a bit more years of coaching underneath your belt, 2006, 2007, um, before hopping onto your internship. That's really interesting. You, And what I should clarify about Denise here, and she's extremely modest and hasn't brought it up yet, is Denise is one of the most seasoned and well-respected flow masters on CrossFit seminar staff's team of all time. One of the best trainers of all time, in my opinion. And uh, that's an amazing start. I didn't know that about you, that you were coaching for about a year and then hopped into the internship and then got on staff.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was quick. It was expedited. I mean, I did my level one in June of 2009. Wow. I'll never forget it. It was with Dave Lipson again. He's, he's been at the, like, you know, the root of all the good decisions I've made so far in my career. He's such a good person. And then at the end of the level one, you'll remember this and you've probably said this with me. All right, guys. Now congratulations. You've gone through your level one. Now let's get out there and coach for a year before you think about, Signing up for your level two, and David and I looked at each other and we were like, "Let's sign up tomorrow." (laughs) And and we did. So we like, we did our level on June two thousand and nine, and in November two thousand and nine, we did our level two. uh It was at CrossFit Boston. I'll never forget it. It was one of the hardest and most um, humbling experiences of my life. I cried on the day of the assessment. It was awesome. Anyway, we did it and we passed, and it was amazing. But yeah. When I got to Reebok, just to get back to your question, um, I was still finding my feet. Like I was, st- I, there was still so much to learn. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't think we programmed um things like muscle ups a- a- as such like that. One, because we didn't really have the equipment at that time, but um, for, a- for a while, because we were new. I mean, mm-hmm. Austin was there. He'd been at CrossFit Albany. So he got a bit of coach- more coaching under his belt than me, but I was like a deer in headlights when I first got there. But, you know, you got to fake it till you make it. So I, I got my lesson plan. I would like pull out my level one guide. I would start studying and I'd just be like, okay, dip and hold, dip drive, oh. dip drive slow, dip drive. Fast. All right. All right, guys, you, you know, and just get out there and get it done. And uh, just over time, I, how Reebok changed me as a coach is being around other good coaches mm. and having members in the gym that need to practice the skills that I'm not yet comfortable teaching. So I had to get on any kind of YouTube video I could, like the Carl Pioli Gymnastic Ward with Kelly Sturette. Um, There was always Coach Bergner's videos. I would just study the crap out of every CrossFit-esque kind of um, movement uh, video I could find, and I would regurgitate it. And then I would learn the why after. But it was hard, it, you know, I'd, it's not like it is now where we have a lot more resources and CrossFit gyms are on every corner. I mean we had to really hustle to elevate ourselves because there was no, there was nothing really around, but yeah, it was the members because you can't you can't cut your program short just because you're not ready to teach something. So as soon as we got those rings in, we did we started teaching muscle ups and snatchers and what have you, so
0: Wow, yeah. This is, I mean, this is news to me. I I mean, I would have bet my next paycheck that you had been doing this for, you know, like since the beginning of time, because of how masterful you are as a trainer, you know, when, when I, when I watch you, you make it look effortless. You always have regardless of whatever year I'm thinking about of watching you coach and how you do it and the absolute joy and the fun that you bring to it. And I, I don't want to discount any of your hard work because you've worked harder than anybody else, I think, to to build those skills. And I'm, I'm more aware of that now than I've ever been before. But I do think that you have an undeniable it factor about how you make people feel when they're in your presence and how you take your personality and you bring it to life in your classes and before we talk, i want to talk more about preparation and all that stuff and building your skills but tell me a little bit about how you think about bringing your classes to life with your personality and what what is that like for you because you're the best in the world at it in my opinion
1: Well, thanks matt i um, i guess i just love it like i you know you've heard that you've heard it said you can't fake it till you make it but if you continue to fake it, you're going to fail. Like if you're not, and by fake it, I mean, fake the passion, fake the enthusiasm um, for this like service to others, where you genuinely stand up in front of the class and your goal is to make them better that day in some in some way. And I think in the beginning, I, I just enjoyed it so much. I love coaching. Uh, but then as I got better at coaching and I learned more, I started to think about, what they need. And they meaning the majority level of the class. So let's say we're in uh, the 12 o'clock class, you know, the nooner at Reebok CrossFit one. And well, and we'll go back to when you were, when you were there <laughs> and we had some fire breathers, right? Like, and, I, and I think class. all athletes are fire breathers. It was, yeah. But like Linda, you know, Linda, she's a fire breather too. But when I, what I mean is these guys were all, you know, pushing our ex, if not very, you know, very close and, they move fast, they move relatively well, and they wanted to get after it. So what I would do, let's say it was a thruster. I would think to myself, okay, well, they all know how to do a thruster. They get, they understand the principle of front squats, push press, and it's the hips that activate the arms and what have you. But how can I make them better today? Well, what's the common fault I would generally see with this group of people? Now, I'm not forgetting about the outliers. I'm not forgetting that there are people that definitely don't need this because they get it but I'm also not forgetting about the people that are brand new, that don't understand legs before arms, arms before legs, and they cannot keep their elbows off their knees. But I can't cater towards the outliers. I'll get to them, but what i got to do is think of the majority. So then I started to think about how I could make them better, and then I would go back to the drawing board, and I would think hard about what drills I would want to use so that I could make sure they understood this principle of the thruster, Mm. And let's say the fault was they squat before they arm, the bar comes down, which is a huge fault for everybody for so many reasons. And with lightweight, right, you can get away with it, but anything kind of moderately heavy, it's just going to start to become wildly inefficient. So I start and I started to think about these things. And in this process of thinking about how, what I was going to do to help them be better, it, I got excited. Mm. And then I would go practice it. And then I would think, and this wasn't all the time, like something, obviously I you can't do it all, but it was a lot of the time. And I go practice it and I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna do this, this, and this. And then I'd be like, wait, why would I do this? It doesn't even help. It's I'm taking it out. And then I'd stand up in front of them and I'd be like, guys, I've been thinking (laughs) you're all great at thrusters. Right. But here's the, here's the fault. Everybody squats before the bar comes down. Yeah. Even you, you know, and have some fun with it and like call some people out. Like we're going to do a couple of drills so that we can get that timing right. And here's how we're going to do it. And then, I think just with that, and it was an it was a genuine enthusiasm because I'm like, this is it today. The penny's going to drop. They're going to get it, and I would try to do that with any movement that is ch- that has that kind of um, uh, complexity to hmm. it, or you know that I think could help them. So there's that, and I, and I think um, I just love it. I, it's really hard to put into words. Yeah. I love the people. I love the banter. I love the you know, there's a time to be, everyone listen, bars on the ground, eyes on me, let's go. But then, you know me, I'm a big goofball. So there's the balance of of making sure that it is the best hour of their day. They've been sat at a desk for, for three hours, maybe being yelled at by their boss. Maybe they're under the, the, the weather. Maybe their spouse is giving them a hard time. Or They come here and, and we want them to learn, right? We want them to get better, but they, we want them to have fun and we want them to learn something, get a little better and just... So you've got to balance it. You can't just be the joker. You can't be the, the drill sergeant that has all the letters behind their names, you know, the alphabet soup, but you've got to be in the middle. And it's really hard to get there. And that's why there's no replacement for time in this, in this industry. Like you find out who you are as a coach as you spend more time in it.
0: Well, I think one, one thing that I can identify and watching you and I've watched you coach hundreds of classes and tons of hours on seminar staff and, I really look at that as a gift um, and has been incredibly helpful to me in refining my style and learning and seeing all the things that I fuck up and being like, oh, that's how, that's how I'm going to do it next time. One of the things that <laughs> you do amazingly well is that you have this really artful balance of having an absolute fucking blast while you coach. You have a blast. There's no denying it. And But you also are bringing a level of technical expertise and precision to it. And that balance, I think, is really hard for a lot of coaches to find. It's very, very hard. And I think a lot of coaches are nervous to be that bigger personality and have that much fun with it because they're worried about other things or they're worried about, how am I going to teach this? or What am I going to do? What's your advice being one of the best at having so much fun with this stuff? What's your advice to coaches out there who – might be nervous or might be like just being in their shell too much and going out there and coaching classes that they know are just boring.
1: Yeah. um, So I think there's there's pockets in a class where you have your fun, right? Especially if you're newer, you've got to be selective about when this is newer to coaching. For sure. Um, General warm-up, right, is a great place to start building relationships and having fun, which is why, you know, honestly, if it was – If it wasn't because it was so boring, I would probably do the same general warm up every day. (laughs) I I literally would. I'd be like, "Let's get your heart rates up. Let's take your joint through full range of motion. These are the movements we're doing. It's going to take five to ten minutes, depending on the workout." Done because it has that—that's its purpose. But it's a—it's a really great time to check in on people and ask them how their bodies are feeling and play games and um, have that fun element. And then you—you obviously you're you know you wear many hats when you're a coach so there's a time like I said like when the general warm-up is done like all right guys everyone take a knee eyes on me and you get their attention you don't want to treat them like children but you get their attention and then you give them your you know you bring down your most serious face and you know exactly what you're going to say because you've planned it all right now I need you guys to put away your pvcs grab a barbell come back here and when you're there just kind of take a knee or crouch down so I know that you guys are ready to go uh, and then when they're you know moving around and putting their stuff away that's another time to have fun like checking on some people or you know Why you, hey you guys chatty Kathy's get over here you know <laughs> stop talking it's gonna take 10 minutes i like it's supposed to take 90 seconds and and just calling on the people you're comfortable with at first that's um really nice. and not just thinking you know you can go to anyone because some people you got to earn that relationship too
0: so what do you, you mean know, by that tell when, me tell uh, me what you mean by that earn that relationship
1: yeah you you've got to you can't you know, I'm a fun person, you are, but if I go coach a class of people I don't know, I'm not just going to start, you know, calling them out or making fun of them. Like, even though it's coming from a place of care and I'm trying to, you know, build rapport, I'm going to go up and talk to them and, and ask them what their name is and like how long they've been doing CrossFit. And, uh, you know, and then maybe even a question like a, oh, nice shirt. It's one of my favorite colors. What, you know, I, and see where they go with it, and if they're like, "Yeah, I love pink. I'm real Miami Vice." Like, well, well, I'm gonna be like, "Oh, you're one of those," and then I'll see what happens next. And if they come back at me with it, with their, they come back and hit me with something, yeah, I am. And well, what are you then? You know, I'll be like, this person is somebody that I can have a bit of a joke with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I watch them to see how they interact with other people. Is it the friendly person that's you know that just walking around the social chair of the gym? Or is it somebody that's kind of just sat in their pod and they're not saying anything and their head is down because I'm definitely not going to, you know, push that person. So mm. honestly, Matt, you know, this, it's all about people. It's about interpersonal skills, but on a fleshed out across like 15 people. So you've, you've got to take the time to, to get to know people and when the trust is there, have some fun with them. And then, they will start to trust you and listen to you and your job just becomes a lot easier. So
0: yeah. I think
1: you've just got to take the time to get to know people, honestly.
0: For sure. I think, I mean, yeah. if I look back at some of the, if I looked back at some of the worst classes I've ever coached, the worst classes I've ever coached are classes where I've made mistakes in the interpersonal relationships. And I couldn't, I couldn't do enough to undo it, whether or not I, went too far with joking with somebody, or I didn't know the group well enough, or I said something that was off putting to somebody. And that just puts them on edge, puts me on edge. And then that, I mean, at least in my opinion, that kind of pervades over the entire class. And that's definitely a skill I think that coaches need to work on a little bit more is like, reading the room and knowing when you're going to play certain cards with certain people and, and not always just um, coming out of the gates with all the jokes. It might not be the right time.
1: No. And and you can't be best friends with everybody either. If you're the coach that wants to um, please everybody and you know, you're going to have a really hard time when you're trying to get them to make a better decision on the way or the rep. So like people, a lot of people really like authority, not um, rudeness and arrogance, but like they they appreciate somebody that will will stand up and let them know how it's going to be. But, and and the why, like we talk about the why a lot, right? When is a good time to give the why and when isn't? And when there's not a good time to give the why is when you've just given someone a cue and there's 15 other people in your class that are relying on you to help them. Like the, mm. the why is not needed. But the, there's a good place in the why in the intro. And the intro is, it's like the name of your podcast. It, you can <laughs> you can gain so much respect and educate them so much in that two to three, sometimes a little bit longer mi- minute intro, just by laying the expectation and letting them know this is why we're doing it, and it's not that you guys can't do X way or X re- reps, but there's just an expectation, just like there was yesterday when we asked you to do X Y and Z. Um, so today I'm going to come around and I'm going to see what kind of decisions you're making and ultimately i'm gonna be the one that decides what the right way is and that's because you guys are crazy and when i say three two one (laughs) go you're gonna be like wild animals and and then all your bets are off so i'm gonna make sure you guys you know we can negotiate a little bit but trust me when i tell you i'm giving i'm doing this you know to help you out and and start to like you know it shouldn't be a dictatorship it's not like you're doing this and you're doing this it's like all right well Well, prove to me right now that you can do this, you know? And and if I don't see this happening in the workout, this is what's going to happen. And I don't know, they're adults, you know, Mm. but you have, you can't go around and be like, is that what you want to do? Okay. Like one of the questions, all right, what are you going to do for your scale? And they tell you, and then you, you walk off, but like, you know, it's not the right thing, but you know, if you, if you come at them, they'll give you a pushback. That's, that's your job as a coach to help them make the right decisions, you know, not to just let them do what they want to do. You know, we don't, I've heard this a bunch of times. I didn't, I did not make this up, but it's like, I don't walk into the doctor's office and tell them what to prescribe me. Mm. I don't diagnose myself. Well, Denise, I think, you know, I think you've broken your elbow. No, 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 it's not that. I think, I think I just, you know, I, I got a, I don't know. I don't know my medical term, but you know, they, you've got to earn it too. Yeah.
0: So no, I, I agree with you there. I think, um, you know, as I've kind of matured through my coaching journey, I used to be much more heavy handed with, um, how I would handle a class or an athlete. And I've, I've gotten softer in my elder years, I think, um, (laughs) you know, I, I definitely understand kind of the point you're making there about having the conversation with the athlete and leading the horse to water. Right. But I also I also enjoy sometimes putting it back on the athlete and giving them suggestions within certain bounds. Like if we're going to make a substitution for something and it's a box jump day, for example, and they're like, Hey, I want to go and I want to, you know, flip tires or something that's completely, you know, out of the ordinary for that movement. You know, maybe I'm going to keep them within certain bounds, but like, yeah, whether or not it's a step up or a, uh, a, a box squat or a lunge or whatever, like, I kind of let them have a little bit more freedom there, but you're right. You shouldn't just be saying, hey, do whatever the fuck you want. And then I'll see you at the end mm-hmm. of class. That's for damn sure. Um,
1: no, I like that. I, I agree with you completely. Sorry. I no, no, no. Is, I w- it, keep going. Yeah, like if they if if it's a box jump today and um, let's say you, Matt, come up to me and you're like, I I'm gonna do step ups today. And I'm like, oh, why why Matt? And here's a good place for a why, right? Is why is that? I just don't really want to do box jumps today. And I'm like, why not? And you might say, well, I did, I went on a five mile run yesterday. My calves are really tight. And I just don't think jumping is the best thing for me today. That that is a really good reason. And I agree. (laughs) Let's do step ups. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, But if you're just like, I don't want to do box jumps because they're harder. I'm like, well, that's not, you're not, you're doing box jumps, you know, (laughs) but what you can do is, jump up, step down. You can go on a smaller box, but you know, it's the thing. It's like, work your weakness. You don't want to do something because it's hard. You should probably do it that day. And maybe you don't do it at the height you normally do it at. Maybe we go a little lower today, but do that jump. Cause I guarantee by the end of this workout, you'll be really glad you, you didn't uh, take the easier route. So I, I do like to ask that them why I like to give them a, an opportunity to rationalize it. Cause it might be something I didn't think of. And I'm like, Oh man, I really didn't think of that. And I'm like, hey, everybody, stop. If this blah, blah, blah is you, we're going to do this today because Matt just shared something with me and I think it's a really good reason. So I'm going to come around and I'll share it with the whole group. Although I mm. did not think of that option, it's a really good reason for why we might do this. You know, so you've got to be okay with being vulnerable and not always having the answers and Love learning it. from the people in your class. Everybody, and I mean the first, the first. It could be their first CrossFit class. You can learn so much from those people. Um, so thinking you always have the answers is is a curse for a coach. I think
0: that is a, a very beautiful and profound statement. I could I couldn't agree more with that. You know, I think we run into a lot of issues when we start thinking we have all the answers to everything. One thing I wanted to ask you about here, Denise, you've obviously had an incredible career coaching at Reebok and doing amazing things for that brand all over the world and we'll, we'll probably talk about those another time because you've done some unreal stuff for them but tell tell me a little bit about what's it like coaching on CrossFit's seminar staff team and, and being a flow master on that team and you've been doing that for almost as long as you've been coaching which is amazing it's nine or ten years on staff
1: yeah in October of this year it'll be 11 years Wow. so I'll, yeah I, I cannot say enough amazing things about the CrossFit Now LLC family. It they are the reason why I'm the coach I am today. Like mm. it's, there's no there's no questions there. It's when I got on to the staff in 2010 of October. I'll never ever forget getting the email from Dave Castro and Nicole Carroll, and it was. You wait after, right? You know the process. After the mm. last one, the flow master of that that gig says, well, I'm going to recommend you, but it's not on me. I have to put it to the powers that be, and they're going to make the final call. So you're just literally
0: Twittering tapping your, your fingers yeah. and your feet,
1: refreshing your email for, like, however long it takes. And I don't remember the exact time, but it felt like a, an eternity waiting for this email. And, um, and I got it, and I'll never forget it. And it just said that I'd been accepted on the staff and I was going to get my red shirt sent to me and it literally makes my heart race now because I think now where my life would be if I didn't get that email and it went the other way and and I'm just so thankful that I got I got like the thumbs up and then then the hard work began so like the internship in and of itself is a beast it's incredibly fair you have to get through you know three four different flow masters all maybe giving you different tips and tricks and it's exhausting but then when you get on it's even harder because now you have to you have to learn how that you know the level one way is you've got lectures to deliver but I know back in the day I would get feedback every weekend working those seminars and you know you do your you do your gig and then while the you know the, the last lecture of the day or the, the test or whatever you get the the, f- the finger. <laughs> the
0: feedback, yeah, the feedback meeting.
1: The, yeah, the feedback finger and you're, and you're like, okay, and you grab your notebook and you run into the back and you sit down there with the flow master and they just lay it on you. Like <laughs> You're like, I don't think I did too bad and then all of a sudden you get pages. I'll never forget, I did a deadlift, like my, one of my first deadlift lectures. It was actually at Cospit New England with E.C. Sankowski and she was like, you did a really nice job and I like, you know, I puffed my chest up, I felt I felt real good. She's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna send you an email tomorrow with a little bit of feedback, you know, uh, just for next time." Matt, I opened that email up and I felt like I was scrolling <laughs> for like a day. I got, I think I got like a good eight pages back to front of feedback, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I love feedback, so I'm a big feedback person. I'll just give everything, and whatever you want to pick, take it. But I will. I am the way I am right now because of those people before me that asked so much of us mm. excellence. They asked for excellence week in and week out, and you had to do whatever you could do to improve the next time. So you sit there, they give you your feedback, and you would just say, "Thank you for the feedback." Not, "Well, I was gonna do that, mm. but like it doesn't matter. I didn't do it. Whether why I was whether I did I didn't do it, and it needs to be done next time." so you you're constantly humbled you're constantly striving for this like goal and um it it was so hard and it still is even now like as you get more becoming more knowledgeable so yeah I mean I think I'm about 350 seminars in now with the level one and and the level two and um even now I'm like I, I study my lectures I write them all out still to this day and um there's a time you have to get them in on, and my groups get a lot of work just because you have 60 minutes right to do your squats group. There's allocated time to each movement, you have to get certain things in. And if you just show up and rely on your experience, it'll still be a really good group for, for, um, for a red shirt. But you know, you could have done better if you would have planned a little bit more. So, I am the trainer I am today because of the expectation that CrossFit placed on me when they gave me that red shirt. And anytime I feel Tired or you know, the travel's getting me down because you know it's hard. You know, you've traveled around and from Japan to Brazil. It might seem flashy when you're standing there at the seminar in your red shirt doing the sexy stuff, but it's a grind. I go back to that day, October 2010, when I opened up that email and I'm like, I'm just like, thank you, you know, and I remember this is why I'm doing this and I love wow. it. And so it's uh yeah it's it's the best it is literally the best job in the world, That's, you know.
0: It's amazing. Um, it, it's an unbelievable organization, and within an organization, it's an unbelievable uh, arm of that organization. And I, I was fortunate to do some time on that staff team, and I I think I was more fortunate to have work with people like you and Austin and James and Ben and all these other people both prior to joining staff. And then while on staff, that really gave me it almost like I had the cheat codes. I I feel super blessed in a lot of ways. I remember you and I, we, we worked before my internship on God, just about everything under the sun that we could work on. And I felt nervous as fuck, but I also felt prepared. I felt pretty good going into it. And I couldn't imagine not having you in my corner for that. And I'm eternally grateful for that D that was, um, That was really special stuff. Tell me a little bit about, you mentioned this idea of feedback being something that you are like enamored with. You love feedback. Tell me about what your thoughts on proper delivery of feedback and and receiving feedback are like. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, just to backtrack real quick, for you making it into the seminar team, you put in the work, because I think some some people will think you can just kind of show up and, and do it, but you put in so much work. As did Mel Ockerby, as mm-hmm. did Spencer Hendel, as did Connor Murphy, as did Joe Mazley, as did Megan. All these people that I'm that I'm naming that came through the Reebok CrossFit One ranks um, worked their asses off. Yeah. Because when you want to be a level one seminar staff instructor, you can't. You might be the best affiliate class coach ever. You show up to their gym, you're like, "Wow, this is awesome," but when we go to level one, there's a whole new way of doing things, and it's not Matt Valley fit, right? It's not <laughs> Denise Thomas fit. It's CrossFit, and you have to be ready to take on our methods and the way we do things. So, I just want to throw that back to you that you put in that work and uh, and you got the reward. So,
0: well, I think I um, appreciate that. That's another important point, and I think a lot of people misunderstand that when they see. A masterful trainer like you go out there and do it. They think that there's not as much work that goes into it behind the scenes. But if the last five minutes of this conversation tell you anything, there's way more work than you could ever imagine going into that production.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure, we could do a whole another podcast on
0: I would love CrossFit to.
1: seminar life. Um, but feedback, really, yeah, really feedback. good question. Uh, you know, I'm older now. I'm 41. I know. I, know, I Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and I've been doing this fitness thing for a while, like yeah. since I was 16, honestly, wow. not CrossFit, but, and I've gone through many cycles of how to deliver feedback. And I've realized that there's a, there's a time to give feedback and there's a time not to give feedback. And the time to not give feedback is when someone is hot. Like, so maybe right after a class, and I'm talking now just like if I'm watching a class, you know, they're, they're on fire, they've just got done, they're all like amped up, and then I'm like, hey, thanks for the class. You really went a little long here, and this is what you probably should have done, and, and they will, it, it could be the best advice ever, not the right time. And there's a way to offer suggestions as well. So it's different if you're like, hey, Matt, I'm going to watch your class tomorrow at 4 o'clock, um, are you good with that? I'm going to be sat over here in the corner. I'm going to be writing notes um, and I'm going to walk around and And I don't want to make you nervous or anything. I'm just writing things down so we can help you progress. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. First of all, you've got to like, let them know. Um, it doesn't have to be the day before. And you know, what? actually I take that about, like, You don't have to do that. But if you're not going to do that, the person you're evaluating needs to be of that personality where they they're just ready. They don't care. Right. But you might have a coach that is needs that little bit of wiggle room and that, you know, and and I think there's going to be a time to spring it on them and there's going to be a time to let them prepare. So mm. um, and and then you're going to say, OK, after you've done your class or, well, you know, have your lunch or do whatever you need to do. And like an hour or so later, I'll put it on your calendar. We'll talk about it. Or if it's a part time coach and they have to hop off real quick. Um, let's get on a Zoom call or a phone call and I'll shoot you the email so that you have the notes and and we'll work through it. So, you know, there's there's times. Um, But I think that when you give feedback, it shouldn't be, and I hate using these words like shouldn't, always, never, because absolutes are like, you know, someone will literally pigeonhole you in and be like, you said, (laughs) but um, I think that, my, my way of doing feedback now is asking them the question first. Like I'm huge on questions where they're going to come to the answers themselves. And if they can't come up with the answer, I'm going to help lead them towards the answer because I think there's a huge value in them doing the thinking. Right. Mm. So Matt, you opted with uh, this progression for the snatch today. Why did you do that? And then you'll say, well, because X. And I'll say, huh. So how do you think that went like did you did you get what you needed out of it like did you were you able to and and maybe they say yes and if I didn't think that was the case I would maybe then talk give them an example as to why or um, I might even show them a video and be like so you see this right here and and then they're like oh yeah like so in your mind when you said you got this happened now seeing this what are you thinking now and it's just a I'm just constantly trying to put it back onto them because I don't think anyone learns by just being told, Mm. do this, do this, do this. And also triaging where what's important, right? There's so much you can give, but what is going to help them tomorrow, you know, that they can try and implement tomorrow and then giving them like a long-term goal that Mm. is going to take time. And I love the example of the root cause of faults is a long-term goal. Why is that fault happening? Because maybe the cue that you're given, which could be, um, you know, elbows up. You see the elbows dropping in a in a front squat. Elbows up, elbows up. Well, they're trying, but the root cause is that the grip's too narrow, or the root cause is that they have a death grip on the bar. So we need to fix the looseness of the fingers. We need to widen the grip. Now try elbows up, and now the elbows call up a little bit more. And but that's long-term that's homework that's you sitting in the corner of the room when you're not coaching a class and just watching um so to answer your question for feedback i think you got to pick the right time you got to know who the coach is and how you're going to prepare them for that assessment and then i'm a big fan of like asking questions versus just telling them what they need to do better
0: yeah i think that's a wonderful answer Uh, you know that's really important stuff for not only for anybody who's a coach or an owner out there who finds themselves in a position to give feedback to somebody, but just in, in any professional setting, you know, in this environment where you're trying to make your team better or, or you're all in this together and you want to rise the tides is, you know, making sure that your timing on the delivery of feedback is smart, making sure that you are involving the other individual. And it's not just, I'm talking at you the whole time. And then triaging and, and figuring out what are the most important things here, not drowning somebody in, in the minutia of everything that they did wrong. I mean, feedback really is an art. And I, I learned a lot as you're talking there, I'm going through all these things in my head that I've stolen from you over the years. And I'm like, these are all the things that we're doing at, in my job at NC fit, and I'm just stealing them directly from Denise Thomas. So thank you very much for that because I've certainly learned my share, fair share of lessons in giving and receiving feedback. Um, Denise, I, I wanted to ask you about a quote because another thing that I have stolen from you over the years, I'll add it to the list, is this idea of how you do anything is how you do everything. And I know you didn't come up with that quote But you are the first person who I ever heard in the CrossFit community say it out loud. And um, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, the how you do anything is how you do everything was actually, I think Dave Lipson took that quote and he put it on the wall at Reebok CrossFit One, right at the inception of, you know, back in 2010. So I looked at that and you can definitely pick it apart, right? You can definitely be like, well, that's not true, but we don't need to get into the details. Let's just take it for what it is. It's like how I see that is how you do anything is how you do everything is the level of effort that you give to the smallest things is going to flesh out into the bigger things. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, Greg Glassman would always say how clean is your bathroom, right? Which Which the bathroom could be a metaphor for anything, but for sure, if you're not bathrooms, not clean, you're probably taking those habits somewhere else in your in your life so I like to think about that when I'm coaching it's like the detail in seeing and correcting subtle faults or the dynamic faults it's people walk by a subtle fault and I'm like well you that's a small detail but it could actually impact a really big um, thing in this athlete's movement and I see that same thing with how I organize my desk and you know if my desk is not clean and I don't have my bed made and that stuff will stay with me all day. And then I get sloppy across the day. So I take that as how you do anything, meaning give your very best to everything you can. Um, And if you're not able to, maybe you've got to remove something off your plate because there's no way you can be excellent at everything all the time, Mm. right? It's just not possible. So think about how you can give your very best to everything that you do to a degree where you're balanced. And you'll, you'll get better so that with teaching, teach like teach perfection you know look at the details and has, ask people to bring their feet a little bit wider and widen the grip a tad and delay their time in a little bit and and take that level of focus and attention and detail and, and love to make things better and bring it to your your personal life mm. um that's what that means for me really it's how you it's like go from how clean is your car to how clean is your house to how clean is your bathroom and you'll become a better coach you'll plan more meticulously and you'll look at the details, not to where uh, you're paralysis by analysis, but yeah, I don't, so I don't know if that answered your question, but I think that it, it's a pretty powerful statement.
0: It's very powerful. I think you answered the question just fine. And, um, you know, I, I love that mindset for coaches to take to not only the profession of coaching, but, you know, all other aspects of their life. And, you know, I, I know we're getting short on time here and you're a very busy woman, so I don't want to keep you over, but um, I wanted to ask you, if you could give one piece of technical advice to coaches out there, one piece of one thing that coaches can do technically with the craft, not necessarily thinking about things differently, but one thing coaches can do differently, what would that be?
1: So is your question, what do you mean by
0: technically technically? More, um, if they had, if you had to assign coaches something to physically do to get better, or if you had to say, "Hey, teach this," or "Plan this," or "Think about your classes in this way," as opposed to uh, how you do everything is how you do anything mindset, which is extremely important. What what would be one tool that you would tell coaches to adopt right away?
1: Okay, this is a really hard question because I have a lot of answers. <laughs> And the they, they change all back. the time. <laughs> well, the, the first one currently in the world of Denise Thomas and, and coaching is make, do everything you can to, to, to make them better movers that day. And I know that's hard because there's a, whole pro, there's a whole system behind how you make them better. But I'll never forget in my the last uh, internship I had on CrossFit staff, I, um, I was under John Gilson. I'll never forget. And I, I I did okay on day one, but I, I don't think I was blowing him away by mm. any you know stretch of the imagination. So he comes up to me and he, on a Saturday night and he goes, Denise, we have you here for internships in because of you. I don't want you to coach like Pat Sherwood. I don't want you to coach like coach like Adrian Bosman or me. I want you to coach like you tomorrow. Go out there and make them better. And I was, I got so fired up. I was like, <laughs> so it used to be we would do a med ball clean push jerk review on day two, the old one of the old way. Matt, I went out there and I was a hawk. I just corrected the <laughs> absolute out of them. Just <laughs> chest up, knees out, stand tall, squeeze your belly, get back in the. I was just yelling like, and I and I made it. I made it through. And he was like, you were a different coach today. So if you would have asked me this question a year ago. I'm a big teaching nerd. I love the art of teaching. I think, like, I I see us as teachers and educators who coach. I would have been, like, become teachers. Like, understand how to help people get into positions. Mm. And I do think that's important. I really do. But I did not become the coach I am today via that route. Mm. Like, I just went out there and I tried to make everybody the best I could. I tried to keep them safe, improve their movement. And then after I started to develop this appreciation for teaching. But I think I'd forgotten that somewhere along the way. And um, so I went really heavy on teaching for a while. Um, so I would, I would say that is like, go out there, pick the most dangerous fault that you can imagine is going to happen with this movement and fix that and be relentless. Like your life depends on it. So you say chest up and they pull their head up <laughs> and nothing changes in their spinal position. Give them another cue. Get your hands on them or whatever we're doing in the COVID world right now and make them better. Be relentless in the pursuit of of excellent movement and everything else will happen because you'll want to be a better teacher. Um, And outside of that, you cannot, you can't have a good class without some kind of plan, you know, just a timeline plan to make sure you're staying on point, not getting caught in the weeds. But yeah, I mean, ask me this question next month (laughs) and it might be a different answer, but that's where I am currently.
0: <laughs> well, no, it's really interesting about that. I didn't expect that answer. I had, uh, I had thought what you were going to say because this is something that I've also watched you for years. Be one of the only people out there talking about, and I've jumped on the bandwagon for years now as well. Is the importance of planning your fucking classes, like the well, the yeah. amount the amount of attention that you have brought to that over the years uh, is probably unrivaled but the critical importance of being able to go out there and coach your heart out and do all those things you're just talking about, all that is possible because you have a plan behind it and you're not just thinking about what the next thing you're going to say is.
1: Yeah. And and again, Matt, we could do a whole podcast on the old (laughs) lesson planning. I am, I, I mean, there is not enough time in the year for me to talk about this and I, it was like back in 2015, we started the coach development program and then I started the DTLP lesson plan. It was just put my lesson plans on the, on the account and let people watch and follow. And I've not been as on, on that as much lately with COVID, but yes, have a plan. But people are then getting caught up in the plan. Mm-hmm. So we should definitely do another podcast on this because there's a whole, your first plan is not the plan you take on the floor. You're going to have everything on this plan (laughs) and you're going to put it on your and you're going to be like, oh, my God, I don't even know what where I'm at. So your plan that you have that you remember has to be very simple. Mm. And people are getting a little crazy with their planning, uh, which can work. The only way we know is if the class is effective. Right. So if you look at my plan to one of my colleagues plans, it'll look like their plan might look like absolute dog poop. Like they can barely read it. And I'm talking about Austin here. Yeah, Cause Austin's writing is not the they best can, writing. His handwriting my is plan looks like really special. it's questionable.
0: Yeah. And then
1: you can look at mine and they look very artistic and like fancy, but I watch Austin's classes and they're dynamite yeah. and that his plan works for him. So your plan is very customized, but yes, you have to have a plan. We'll talk more about that and how we allocate time. And my wheels are already spinning about the conversations we'll have. Um, But yeah, plan and then go out there and correct the poop out of everybody.
0: (laughs) Well, you have a standing invitation to be a guest on this podcast whenever you'd like to be a guest. I've learned more from you than I've learned from just about anybody else in my life. And uh, I couldn't be more proud to call you a friend and a mentor and somebody who I continue to look up to. And Denise, before we sign off here. Where can uh, the listeners find out more about you and what you're doing and the things that you got going on in your life?
1: Yeah, so I uh, – obviously my Instagram, I'm always on there, but I really just post pictures of my dog, uh, <laughs> Ash. So if you don't like dogs or, you know, loving posts, don't follow me. But DT uh, – then Thomas 7 is my Instagram. And then DT Lesson Plans is where I'm going to be on there sharing – content and I need to do more of that but um and I feel like this is a good platform to share this seeing as though you know this this is going out to be all, but I am leaving Reebok oh, at the end wow. of this month so I know we weren't we didn't plan on talking about mm. this but I will be uh, assuming a new position with Comp Train as the director of the Comp Train gym and uh, the new head coach of CrossFit New England so 10-year journey with Reebok it's bittersweet. It's yeah. part of my heart, and um, maybe we'll we'll hop on another podcast and talk about that journey later later on.
0: I would love to. I would love. So to. you can
1: find me at CrossFit New England <laughs> yeah. on Comtrain. Yeah.
0: Well, congratulations. Um, I had some experience in that gym as well. I think that you're going to be a, a fantastic fit there, and you've earned everything that's come your way. By the time this podcast airs, I think you'll be a couple of weeks into your new role so I would love to have you back on and discuss how it's going but thank you for announcing that here and congratulations. Pete.
1: Yeah no I haven't I've not said it out loud to many people because it's still emotional for me with you know Reebok is it's my, my peeps but it's a good time to transition and uh, um, we'll talk more about this but yeah I'm super excited and uh, Thank you, Matt. I, don't disappear on us. This, these podcasts are great. And I, I know people are really enjoying them along with your your Instagram posts. So people really value what you have to say. Oh. And I think you, you have to keep
0: doing it because it's awesome. I appreciate that, Denise. Thank you very much for the time. And uh, I look forward to the next one.
1: Me too. Thanks for having me.
0: See ya.